It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a dope beat. Step two, step two, <laughs> step two. I don't think I know that song. That's Try Again by Aaliyah. Oh. That's all right, guys. Niecy's a baby. She's young. Anyway, no, guys, welcome. <laughs> welcome to a bonus episode. Ho, ho, wait a minute. Of y'all Get thought we was finished? South of Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, y'all thought we was finished? Y'all thought they we were, were like, gone? <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is a bonus episode. Uh, my name is Nettie. I'm the same person that I was in episode one, Nisi Smith up in here. Oh yeah, we never changed. We're day ones. <laughs> Always stay uh, who you are. Never change. Yeah. So, uh, we are, uh, and today, uh, we have no episode to review, but we will be, uh, playing our interview that we did with Mr. Thomas W. Lynch. That's right. Woo, girl. I was, like, honestly so, like, humbled and surprised that we got this interview. He's been a fan since day one. Mm-hmm. He's a day one, you know? Wow. And uh, he's always been supportive of what we were doing. I didn't think he'd even care. When I first started doing <laughs> this podcast, I don't. I didn't do this podcast so I could be friends with everybody in the cast or anything. I just did this podcast because I love the show. You know what I mean? Like this wasn't about no clout. So yeah, we did this show from our hearts, man. This was yeah. real stuff. So the fact that he's just always been supportive, always been there for us, and uh, been able to talk to him, and he answers back quickly <laughs> um, when we asked him to do this interview and everything. So yeah, man. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm so nervous to talk to you girls. Like, <laughs> bruh, you're the one with the resi. Yeah. Like, we're just He's, two people. You're, doing he was the guy. We're just people. Yeah, we're just sitting here doing this podcast. But we're going to play that interview in a few. I'm just going to let you guys know that we did it on Skype. So it's going to sound a little different to your ears uh, while we do it. But the interview was so much fun, and we had such a great time talking to him. Um, and here it is, our interview with Mr. Thomas <laughs> W. Lynch. Uh, Mr. Tom Lynch, thank you so much for doing this with us. It's been I, about a year that we've done this. I have been and, a fan of yours from day – somebody sent it to me. I don't know who – and I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. It just made me because I have a tendency to forget about my shows that I do and move on to the next one. And you just kind of clean yourself of it. And when you started this, I was watching it. and It just made me feel so good and happy and that yet another group of people were digging it. And uh, it was yeah. thrilling. It was thrilling. Was but, it? Do you remember if it was Travis or not? Travis? It had to be Travis. It had to be Travis. Travis. <laughs> He's, He's like our guardian angel. I, he's <laughs> my guru, angel, guru. and the only reason I did the museum piece was because of him. He said, you know, Tommy, it's the 10th anniversary of its last airing, the 15th anniversary of it. And the, I had done a, uh, the Paley Museum in our world is a big deal when they want to do something with you. Uh, or at least to me, because I can show my mother and she thinks I'm legitimate, right? So, <laughs> um, so I called up. I said, look, you guys, this anniversary is coming up. And with LGBTQ and all that going on, this is a big thing. And they said, yeah, we'd be all over it. And uh, it was cool. It was very, very cool. So uh, yeah. it made me go do, do my thing. Yeah. Uh, great work. I love it. Um, so when I first got into the show, I discovered it on the end. It was the final episodes. 
And my first question, when I yelled at the screen, I was like, how the hell did they get this on, on TV? So how the hell did you get this on TV? Yeah, that was a journey. That was a journey. That show was canceled before it went on the air. That show was a problem. When it was on the air, that show was like, when it finally went on the air, when it was the final episode aired, they asked me to talk to my fans. And my wife said, don't talk to your fans about them canceling your show. And I got to do thing. And my wife was hostile about it. But um, I think what happened was, in the simplest terms, was a friend of mine came and told me that his son who went to school with my son. He said, you know, my son just told me he's gay. And I said, well, what'd you say? And he goes, well, I asked him, how do you know? And he says, dad, how do you know you're straight? And that one line just haunted me. I'm like, oh, my God, what a great question, because I never had to ask myself if I was straight. It just was right. Nobody ever questioned it. and It wasn't a thing. And so it really locked into my basic theme of all my shows has always been about identity, how we fit into this world, you know. Um, and it started me on this journey. In the end, I had had success at Nickelodeon with Alex Mack, uh, Caitlin's Way, Romeo, you know, all these shows were doing well. So I went to them. I said, this is the next show I want to do. And they said, OK. And they said, give me a script because usually they give you a script. It's like a favor. Go away now. <laughs> I went to work on that script and it took me a year to get that script right because I read I didn't want to screw it up. Being a straight Catholic father of four boys, you know, I did not want to screw this up. So I spent a lot of time reading what they called at that time out journals, stories about kids that are coming out, young, young people that are coming out. And a lot of the stories were traumatic uh, and very painful, but some of them were just so full of life and fun and quirk and all that. That's what I got attracted to. So I think, you know, I didn't want to do, uh, I didn't want victims in this. I wanted to show youth as people that were engaged, empowered, defining their own life as opposed to reacting to what others thought. So I write the script. I turn the script in. Everybody likes the script. I'm like, great. They go, go shoot it. I'm like, okay. Then the money they had would only pay for half of the pilot. So I'm like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So I had to dip into my pocket. And I got little babies at home. And, you know, I can't right? So I talk it over with my wife. She says, okay, if it's what you want to do, go do it. I'm like, okay. So we shoot the pilot. I'm like, the pilot turns out great. It really, t- and, and it was rugged. It was rough. Uh, a woman named Rose Trochet, who's the director, she directed a lot of the L Word episodes along with some other independent films and queer cinema along with mainstream cinema. And she uh, she was my nemesis and my muse. I love her to death. She she got as mad at me as she got as happy with me. And it depended on which day she was, which one was going to show up. But she directed the pilot for me. And really, it's not that she wrote anything in the script, but she kept saying, can you go deeper with these characters? Can you be, you can't screw this up, Tommy. You're, I remember saying you're the only one in this kid tween world that has the uh, gravitas to get this show made. You know, because I'd made a lot of hits. People made a lot of money off me. When they make a lot of money off you, they let you do something. Right. So, I had that opportunity and uh, she really made me do a great script and we did it and she shot the pilot and the pilot was fantastic. Then the problem started because people saw what I was going to do. And uh, it became, I mean, Viacom, some Christian right group, they sent a letter to Viacom and I never saw the letter. I just heard about that said, we will boycott all your networks, which was CBS, MTV, BET, VH1. They own a ton of networks, Nickelodeon, we will boycott them if you do this show about this gay girl. 
it's in the mic. So I go to him like, hey, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can't let some other group tell you not to make what you make. We're a creative force in all this. And this room looked at me like, yeah, yeah, we can. We want the money. I mean, they didn't say this, but the definite feeling was, oh, yeah, if there's money on the table, we don't care. And uh, there's a gentleman named Tom Ashheim who was the president. I think that was his title, the president of the N at that time. And uh, he kept a good fight. I don't know if he fought, he talked. He just said, keep going, keep going. We kept going and we did it. And then a part I left out was that, uh, so again, they can only pay for half of the show. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> if someone tells you yes to put your show on the air, I mean, for me, I ain't hearing no. I'm going to go do it. So <laughs> right. yeah, I had to get on an airplane and go fly all around Europe to try to find other networks to buy the international, right, to help get all the money together to do it. And I remember sitting at a network called ZDF, I think it was ZDF, one of the German networks, and explaining to this German guy, no, it's really cool. It's about this girl who's defining who she is, and it's about the teenage world around her, and all these people. He goes, why don't I just run Pokemon? I go, this ain't Pokemon. That's not what we're doing here. And uh, we got uh, an international distributor to put up the rest of the money for it, and uh, and we got to go ahead with it. But it was it that show stopped and started seven times before we actually went to series with it. And then, wow, I got a letter from a woman. This was a big Hollywood manager who handled a platinum artist, a platinum a singer. So I will not tell the name, but a platinum artist. And I was trying to uh, I was trying to work with some of her talent, and they sent me a letter quoting Leviticus, which talks about man shall not lay with man and all that stuff. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You're in Hollywood. You, you're in judgments on anybody. What is wrong?" Exactly. And uh, and I, it reminded me of my story. The um, I grew up in West Hollywood, which is the the first gay community that I was aware of in Los Angeles, right? And Back in the 60s, I was, I'm one of eight children, so six boys and two girls, and my mother is this Irish Catholic immigrant, you know, from Ireland, and uh, yeah. very religious woman, and I remember as a little boy, I'm seven or eight, I'm running home, or five or six, and I see this man who moved in down the street kissing another man, like I'd never seen, you know, that, I'd never seen that, yeah. and I was like, whoa, so I run up to my mom's <laughs> kitchen, I'm like, mom, mom, that new guy down the street, he's kissing a man, <laughs> This is a woman with six young boys, right? And all this kind of coming from the most homophobic country in the world. Ireland was horrible to the gay community. And without missing a beat, she's at this thing. She goes, that's okay, honey. God loves them too. I'm like, all right, all good. My mom loves them. them. We're good. (laughs) I think that informed my relationship with everything in that we are all part of a grand human design. And all of our, what people try to put on us, be it ethnicity, be it age, be it sexual orientation, is not apart from anything. It's all part of the human fabric. And that's really what I think all of my stories are about. I hope, not only in this series, but in all the series, you know? Yeah, definitely. And during that time when you were getting all that backlash, you ever think, you know what, it's not worth it. Like, forget it. I'd like to say that I was a braver man and that I was courageous. I was so scared. Because yeah. I had a lot of money in the show that if it went, I would get it back. And if it didn't go, I wouldn't get it back. And I was a young man at that time, you know, with a family. Uh, the resources had to be monitored. And I, I also thought to myself that, you know, why don't I just make one of those stupid sitcoms? It pays the same and you just, you know, go do Say by the Bell. I'm not that that's stupid, but go do one of those stupid shows. <laughs> <laughs> 
or do I take the gifts that I've been given, the opportunity I've given, and try to do something that's different? And that's yeah. uh, and I had to. I I was fortunate that I have a wife that was always do what you need to do. She said, just make sure what you're doing, you're you are comfortable with, and that was cool. And I also felt selfishly and less altruistically that it was time for this show, that it would define me. You know, I remember when I made a show called Kids Incorporated. Oh my me. god. I grew up on that. I was I used to watch that every day after school. I well, I, I loved uh, Alex Mack and Kids Incorporated and like Disney and Nickelodeon to find my nineties childhood life. So um I didn't know you did Kids Incorporated. I knew about all the other Alex Mack, Caitlin's Way, Alan Strange. But wow. Awesome. Nobody at that time had a live action kids show. They were all kind of with wraparound shows, like you know, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles Sheriff John had they ran a bunch of bad cartoons. People didn't care about it. And I'd come from directing music videos and doing rock shows and all that, producing rock shows and all that. And I wanted to put MTV meets the Little Rascals. That was the idea of it. And everybody said, why do you want to do that? Blah, 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 blah. And we did it and they toured and then we did great on it. It all worked out good. And then Alex Mack came around. And when Alex Mack came around, the difference of that show was that it had a girl lead, which no other show had except for Clarissa Explains It All. But that was more of a sitcom. Alex mm-hmm. Mack. I wanted it to be a cinematic telling storytelling of a young girl who again was looking for identity and people are like, why are you doing that? And that worked. And then Alan strange, my God, the flack I got from that for having a black yeah. eat as an alien. Holy. Yeah. Coolest thing ever. They're like, no, you can't do that. I go, Oh yeah, I can. But they think that you were like, um, diminishing a black person by making them an alien? Or is that what they thought? I think they were putting more weight on it than I gave it thought. RJ came in, the, the, the gentleman who starred in it, he auditioned with white kids, Latin kids, with every kid, and he came in and he just won the role. And I didn't even think that it had more weight to it. He just was, he he made me laugh, and I, there was a sweetness to him and all that, so I um, yeah, I cast him, and man, all hell broke loose on that one. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I like the show. Uh, um, and, um, Nisi, what was your question? I know you had a. Yes. Yeah, so we had actually asked you this question before, but like, if you could say for the fans, where did the name South of Nowhere come from in relation to what the show is about? Good question. The show was originally called Out, right? So we that was said it all for me that everybody was out, and. They after I got done fighting that battle of almost getting canceled, right? Because how can you do a show with a gay person? You didn't tell us this person's gay. You didn't tell me. I'm like, well, did you read the script? She's not really okay. gay. I said, no. Well, what about that other girl? Well, that other girl they were talking about Ashley. I go, I still don't know what Ashley is. I think she's just looking for she's love. Not into labels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, they but they said out. Oh, we can't market the name out. I'm like, okay. And I wasn't gonna fight. I, I like got through. I didn't want to start that fight. So I thought about kind of what what would symbolize that that time in your life and i'm sure you guys have felt it so i'm certainly i have when i was younger that time in your life where you're like man i don't know where i am or what i'm doing you know there's always as I, I believe that in our teenage life somewhere between 13 and shit sometimes it goes on into our 20s we just go what are we doing here and so that was what i wanted to know uh, it was for Ashley. The Ashley character was she was just running in circles trying to find out where she fit. Gabby, the Spencer character, was just very peaceful, but going, well, how do I fit? She was more internal about it. And so I always had this expression of, I don't know where I'm going. I'm going nowhere. 
And this show, you know, like nowhere, I don't know what's happening. And this show, everybody was so far beyond nowhere. They were south of it. They were further away. So nowhere was far gotcha. enough, but they were like a whole other level down the street. So, anyway. cool. That's I like dope. That. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Mandy and Gabby, uh, what was it uh, in their auditions that told you they were the ones to carry out this role, these roles? You look at, at uh, Mandy. Mandy is about four foot nothing, weighs about 10 pounds, and is the tiniest thing in the world. She walks into a room and she just fills that thing, right? She's just larger than life. And she came in, she looked at me, she's got a smile, and she has it in the show. I was looking at some of the shows recently, and she has this smile that's like, yeah, I'm up to something and too bad. You can't stop it. That was, she had this look, and she came in, and she's obviously a very beautiful girl. Like, you know, at that time, she was probably 18 or 19. She was very young at that time, and just, she just owned it. She just, she did a take on that. That wasn't, it had been so easy to be over dramatic or over light, but she just did it really natural, but with an edge to her that I just went, wow, I, I, I had to watch her. Then Gabby comes in and Gabby was very, uh, now these people didn't, they didn't have a lot of credits. This wasn't like there was a lot of people lining up to do a show about the gay girl. Okay. That wasn't, <laughs> wasn't today where it's like, that's groovy. This was like, Tommy, you're out of your friggin' mind and you're going to die doing this show. Okay. You're going to hell. I was already going no. to stage of the game. So, uh, Gabby comes in and Gabby played it. She was so perfect when she first came in. I didn't see it. It's always interesting when people, when they talk to creators and showrunners, it always sounds like they knew exactly what they were doing. I rarely have known what I was doing. Okay. I'm kind of just trying to be very open to what's happening in the moment. And I was like with Gabby, I know I like her. I know she's kind of checks the boxes, but I don't know. I don't know. And I made her come back several times for the pilot. And then the two of them together was really good. And, and I think that Ashley sold that. Ashley was always playful with her. And I think made her innocence shine, made Gabby's innocence, Spencer's innocence shine more. But even after they did the pilot and they were so great together and we were getting ready to go to series, I recast her. I recast her. I made her audition again because I wasn't that sure she could go 60 episodes with it. And uh, she proved me wrong. And she was so graceful in coming back again and again and again to the readings. And just her and, um, you know, her and Mandy, Mandy and Gabby were just, that was it. I was yeah. that either one of them would come in, but those two together made that show so wonderful, made them both stronger, so to speak. Aww. Uh, when <laughs> when did you know uh, the show was a big deal and then it had made a major impact? Well, it's an interest. That's interesting because when you're in the middle of doing a show, you don't know what's going on in the outside world. I mean, you hear about ratings, you hear about this. And all you're here hoping is every week that they don't cancel you. I mean, that's my perspective because you don't know what's going on. But I remember. I remember it went back strange enough to Kids Incorporated. We did an episode of Kids Incorporated once where we did a show about a guy, a guitar player. They need the band needed to cast a new guitar player. And they heard this tape. This guy was killer. So they had him come and audition. And the kid was in a wheelchair. And it freaked everybody out. And it was that whole idea. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't stop now. Let him play and da, da, da. And it worked. And um, I, this chokes me up to this day. I got a letter from a woman could have been years later that said, I just wanted to reach out to you. Um, my son was in an injury and had spinal damage and was, and was had to sit in a wheelchair and he stopped talking. 
And when he saw that episode of Kids Inc., he started talking. Oh, wow. Like, and so I understood the power of television. I was maybe 25 or 26 when I did Kids Incorporated. So I was like, I understood the power and the accountability that one has that creates television in my mind. Cut to Kids Incorporated. I mean, cut to South of Nowhere. I'm in my office one day and I'm panicked because that's my that's my way I work. I'm afraid that it's all going to be terrible. <laughs> um, and I get some fan mail comes in. The fan mail was there was two letters that came in close to each other at some time. One was thank you for the show. It's like a year later, two years later. Thank you for the show. I was able to tell my mother and I or my father and I were watching it together and I was able to tell them I was gay during the show. I'm like, that's cool, man. They came out what? during the show. Yeah. And then, oh. and then the other one was from somebody that said, uh, was actually from a, an older woman. I mean, older meaning 19 or 20, I would assume. And she said, you don't know how often I've thought of committing suicide and seeing that there's other people like me out there. Oh. I don't need to. And so you get that stuff and you go, whoa, that's when I knew it was important. That's when I knew that it meant something. I also knew that when it aired, it became the darling of the network of the end. They loved it because it was hip and it was groovy. And for this little show that cost literally three or four hundred thousand dollars an episode where other shows are costing eight hundred or nine hundred. I mean, we got nothing. We got allowed to go on and we got nothing. <laughs> We had tremendous support from the network once we got through all that other stuff of being thrown off the air. They really loved it. So That's awesome. Yeah. I still get, I still get uh, notes from people saying how much, but now they're, the women are like 30 years old. They're like, oh, thank you for the show. It helped me deal with what I did. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey. So I'm, I'm very cool. I'm very cool in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, um, I went to the uh, SON con back in 2013. You weren't there, but. Did they Skype me in on that one? I think they did. They had a laptop, I believe. You know, they helped, like pass you around or whatnot. But um, the right, stories right. <laughs> that the kids told were like, oh my God, like watching the show, like telling people about the show, us both being straight, just telling people that we love the show. We got, I got backlash at least. I don't know about Nisi, but my friends were always <laughs> like, why are you watching that right. show? And and uh, I was always, I got embarrassed to the point where I just didn't tell anybody about it. Even when I went to the SON con, I didn't tell any of my friends where I was going. They just knew I went to LA because I was just like, I don't want to talk about the show. Wait a minute. From New York, you went to LA to go to that thing? I did, me. yeah. <laughs> I was like 25 or something like that. Okay. I'm, you were yeah. like 18 or something. No, 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 no. I probably would have still did it. I, I love the show. <laughs> that I probably traveled the furthest of everyone that was there. I think... Um, me and Danzo had a conversation about it and he's like, you came all the way for this. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it just <laughs> seems so normal for me. How was Danzo when you spoke to him? Was he um, he was cool. Journey on that show. I heard, I heard. And I asked him about that. Um, that was one of my Q and a questions. And he, he talked mm -hmm. about his whole journey with um, not being comfortable with the content of the show and wanting right. to leave and stuff like that. And he said how remorseful he was for that. So, um, yeah, he was I, really cool. I remember when we spoke about it, Eddie came to my office, a total gentleman, a total professional. He said, you know, I've talked to my pastor. I've talked to this. I, this isn't something I can do. I thought, okay. I said, you know, I'm a man of faith, as flawed as it is, but I'm a man of faith. And there are different interpretations of this. And it is, you know, God don't make junk. And he said, I know I can. I said, okay, I got it. And then I had to write that episode, which was the um, – the drive-by shooting episode. 
Yeah. That the episode where he left the show. And I, I always admired Danzo for his convictions. And he called me later, a year or two or three later, and said, look, I'm just sorry that I did that. And I said, you know, Danzo, the mark of a life is the choices you make. And we make them every day. You made a choice based on character and based on something you believed in. And that's a good man. That's a good yeah. man. And if you change that view, that's what we do in life. We grow. We change our views. We do. And, you know, you're still a good man. And he was like, he was cool. He was cool with it. So I, I admired him for that. And I know it was a hard decision for him. It wasn't light. And I know that he regretted it. And I just, um, it was, it was crazy when I told the network, they're like, what they say, what? I go, but he's <laughs> under contract. I said, he's under a bigger contract to God. Oh, wow. They, they could tell by my tone, like, I ain't going to play this game. You know, a young yeah. man that, you know, and you remind me of Alex Mack. Okay, Alex Mack, when we did yeah. that show, I took her, Larissa, who I love dearly, her mother and her manager to dinner at this big fancy Hollywood restaurant. It cost a fortune. And I offered her the biggest contract that any kid actor had in television. Macaulay Culkin was bigger. I offered it like a feature film, development film, this and this and this, to do another season. And she said, no, I want to go to school and do my prom. I'm like, I'll send a jet to take you to your prom. Don't worry about that. <laughs> said, no, I want to go do it. And I said, okay. Because when I look at these young actors, it's so frightening for them to start and do this journey to begin with. I mean, think about it. You're a 15, I mean, Danzo was older. He's 18, 19, but he's all of a sudden starring on a series. And he's in conflict with some of the things he believes in or wants to do. Who am I to force him to do something or to give him some BS hustle story that, oh, no, it's all good. No, man, stand by what you got to do. And uh, Larissa and I still are good friends, and I consider Danzo to be, even though I haven't spoken to him, I, I'm pretty sure he'd speak highly of me. I didn't awesome. I didn't grind him on it. It would have been easy to grind him on it. So Yeah, I think I, any other person would have, you know? You think he was dealing not. with you. <laughs> I have a big enough ego to go, but do it. I can fix this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, okay, so going back to talking about, like, when Clay was killed off and everything. So right. everything that was involved with like the gang related stuff with like boss and the fights and stuff what was all that about because I, I feel like during the whole time it was happening we weren't really sure like whose fault it was or like what was really going on so what do you think all of it was about <laughs> yeah was well, boss just like talking too much or what what was, was going on boss is named after you guys <laughs> master p Person yes master master p, p yeah I, I love master p he's one of my dearest he's I consider him one of my dearest friends. He considers me that crazy white guy. So that's our relationship. His best friend is a guy named Boz. And that's who that character was based on. Because Boz oh. would hang out with me. And it was a really, Boz, a really smart man, uh, a guy that raised himself from nothing up, did his thing, but, uh, but a natural man. He was a really good, I just loved him. And so I named that character after him. And, um, <laughs> and I remember when, uh, when we were doing that show, what did Boz do? Because all I remember about that show, oh, tell me what Boz did. So basically, Sean just kept saying that he was running his mouth to the Northridge boys. Right. And, yeah. But we never knew what he was saying. He just right. kept saying, stop running your mouth to the Northridge boys. And he kept saying and it. And then eventually, yeah, eventually they came to the school and started and the fight. Boys were white, right? They were either white or Spanish, something right. like that. I don't know, but I know there were, I probably mixed them all up. So I didn't lay it on one person (laughs) race or something. I think the basis of that show was growing up in Los Angeles. 
at that time, probably 10 years prior to that, well, the 90s, when I was a young man, I was 18, 19, I guess. Oh, no, shit, I was older than that. I was in my late 20s, 30s. But anyways, the, the crack cocaine and drive-by shootings and all that was happening all the time. That was just, it was a really frightening time. And um, I know that I wanted to do a story about how when you're young, you think that you're invincible, yet life can change at a moment. And nothing illustrated that to me more than a drive-by shooting. Because some stupid act, somebody you don't even know that doesn't even know you, a bullet doesn't have a name, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was a great way for me to coalesce the end of that season because everybody's prejudices or everybody's opinions or everybody's loves or hates all fade away when, when a life is taken. I do believe no matter what, if a life is taken when you're at school, you feel it, whether you knew the person or not, something has come out, something has changed. It's, it's too right. severe. And I knew that that was supposed to, that would have changed it and would have re-upped my season for second season. I could have realigned relationships and all that. And I believe we didn't find out that Danzo had passed until the top of second seasons. Right. Yes. I did it. Correct. I probably was still talking with him about okay. what plans or not were going to be. And I think the idea of the drive-by was more about live your life to its fullest every day because at any moment it can change. And that was the way for me to illustrate that. I don't, I can't remember what Boz was talking about. It could have been something as simple as I didn't know what to say and just wrote that in. <laughs> yeah. Like um, piggybacking off of that um, race relations thing. What was the story about having um, Clay be a character who was adopted into an all white family and Sean Miller who kind of both both of those characters went against the grain as far as stereotypical African American roles, which is why I really love those characters. Um, right. Was that on purpose, or was that just happenstance that they happen to be those characters? Uh, it was definitely on purpose with Clay. I definitely closed with Clay. The idea that there was a family. I needed to show that the Carlin family was a good family and had a good heart, and it was actually. I don't remember if it was the father or the mother that adopted them because the father was a doctor also. And yeah, I think they mentioned on the show that he was talking to Arthur or something like that. And Arthur said, you want to be a part of this family. Right. And that's how he explained it. Yeah. I think he was abandoned or abused or his mother had something had happened where he needed a place to go. And that was reflective of, I have four sons and when they were like eight to 12, they were born close together uh, we got a phone call that there was a young girl in trouble. Uh, her mother had passed away and her father couldn't take care of her. And so we became, she came to live with us. And I think that probably influenced some of that definitely was the idea of an outsider. And for me, having a girl in the house, you know, you got four boys and me in a house. It's like, you put a girl in there, it gets different. It just gets different. Yeah, definitely. That was especially four boys that are like eight to 12 and they're not too sure what girls are to begin with, but they know <laughs> uh, that might have influenced it. And then Sean, was that Boz? Uh, Sean was uh, Boz's friend. So um, Clay's closest friend. Yeah. Yeah. So what Played that, by Austin Paros. Right. I love Austin. That You know, I thought Austin was somebody else for the first three or four episodes, like the guy who pilot <laughs> and it wasn't him. I kept looking at him funny going, no, nah, I don't remember. I, okay, oh, cool. <laughs> and so... That was to show that as Clay grew up in this kind of white family, that to be black, still you had a position of being a black person. And in L.A. at that time, there was very much a, no, I'm black, I ain't, fuck all this, I ain't dealing with it. 
And so Clay had to make the choice between a family and his peer group. That's why that was set in there. It's like, no, no, you can hang with us. And what made it so good, what Austin played so good is Austin was an intellect. He was based to me on Malcolm X, on Denzel Washington's Malcolm X. Yeah. Uh, in that, that he was a smart man. He wasn't a violent man, but he could handle himself. But he also knew there was a way out. And I think he was a cinema guy, right? He knew about yeah. movies. That was it. And I love that, that even though he wanted to protect his ethnicity, he knew who he was. Clay got interested in his black culture and Clay's black self through this guy who was standing on his own. And I think that's what was we were playing with to get into that area. Awesome. What do you think of Asha Davis as Chelsea? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. she's amazing. We Chelsea. <laughs> well, we see a lot of ourselves in her at different times. And right. um, she's so yeah. sweet. Like she's a sweet character. Like, and she's a good friend to everybody. She is. I just you can put a camera on that girl and just whatever. It's all good. And yeah. she, that character was really important to me because I wanted to show an independent young woman who was going to go do her life. And her thing was to get out of school, be an artist, move on, get to New York was where she was headed to. And then when the pregnancy came up, you're like, so many times we hear that story of, oh, my life's changed. I'm going to go. She wasn't going to have it. She was still going to have her life. Uh, and it was interesting that Denzel, the Clay character, he had to, when he said, look, we got to make this decision together. She said, no, we don't. And yeah. that was really like, whoa, wait a minute. It's like, no, we don't. I was uh, I was very, between my wife and my mother, I was raised by strong women. So I was very clear that my decision process stops at a certain door. And what she does with her body, that's where a woman's going to decide what that is. And, uh, and I thought that was, I think Chelsea is probably, I'll get killed for it, but she's the third, on a three-legged stool, she's the third stool in that show. Mandy, Gabby, obviously, but Chelsea. If you look at three women, three young women defining themselves, I don't think you can find a better a better troika to pick from. They all are unique. They all are. Uh, they all had a different opinion in that show, and I just love that Chelsea relationship. I really, really enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah. What happened at the end with Chelsea? You're going to tell me. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah Nisi's favorite storyline. <laughs> all right. Uh, go ahead and ask about it, Nisi. Well, you had Chelsea get pregnant by Clay, then Clay died, and then she kept the baby still, and then she started hanging out with Glenn, and then she lost the baby because someone backed into their car and an airbag hit her baby, so then she lost the whole baby. Why did you do that to us? (laughs) That's what I want to (laughs) know. Because I was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I think. And as I remember, Glenn was going to stand up. Glenn was cool, right? Mm-hmm. Glenn was going to go down and do all what he had to do and take care yeah. of it. He's like a fan. I think, again, I think it was like the drive-by. I think something like that happens and everybody's got to re-up what they're thinking about and what their baggage is because you see how small it is compared to life. I think that probably was it thematically. When that baby – now, the Carlins were probably about getting divorced at that time. Were they fighting with each other at that time? Um, I think they were still on the rocks. Yeah, they were. I think this probably woke them up a little bit. I think uh, Gabby and Ashley, or Spencer and Ashley, were probably that third season. They break up and make up and break up and make up mm-hmm. and break. And I think they probably were at a place where they needed to make a choice because they were coming up on college also, right? At that time, I think they were yeah. getting ready. 
And I think one of them was going to go back east and one was going to stay. And ultimately, they end up staying together. So it probably was just a good way to dramatically take the focus off of the smaller things and get into the bigger themes of the story. But it was uh, it was so hard. Don't you, I haven't thought about this like since we probably edited it. So hard because Chelsea, to take anything away from Chelsea was yeah. like a breaker. I know. I know. She did not deserve that. I know, I know. <laughs> and then um, I think t- after that, uh, she started dating Glenn, which uh, Nisi didn't oh like. <laughs> oh, she didn't find on. it realistic. Weird. No, you didn't think realistic? She'd date a white boy or date Glenn? It's the, it's the brother of Clay. Yeah. That was the weird part. Right. Yeah. But there are, when people experience great trauma, relationships happen because you're just so alone and nobody can share that with you. And that was yeah. probably that was probably the um, the impetus for that. So uh, by the third season, I might have been getting a little lazy. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't say you were getting lazy. I, I was like, oh, they're just trying things now. Like it's the last season; they're just trying different combos. See, I wanted to be the last season. Well, that's not true. I didn't know it was the last season when we finished it because you never know. And um, when they called me and told me, I was like, okay. And you get used to it because you always get canceled. It just happens. Unless you're SUV or Law and Order. You know, those shows don't get canceled. You always get canceled. <laughs> right, right. And so the idea that I think that naturally, it probably in my mind, I always probably figured subconsciously that this was three seasons, this show. This was the love affair. This was the actual being together. And then, like, the choices change and life changes on you. It's kind of like a nice three-act structure like that. So I think uh, probably subconsciously, or if I had to look back on it again, when they asked me what the fourth season would be, for me, the fourth season had to be the two of them had to live together. I had to, that would have been the only logical place to go. And that meant they'd had to go to New York or wherever they were going or stayed in town or break up. But then when they break up, wasn't going to work because then who do you stay with? You're two stars. You're someone. Yeah. So it was about them. Um, I think we did some webisodes that had them. They, they got married and they had kids and they did all that. Yeah. Stuff. Aiden was the the baby daddy. Yeah. Sort of. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they named the baby. Well, he wanted to name the baby Thor. And they were like, no. Oh, my God. Um, you know that that actor, Matt, who played Aiden is really yeah. married. That's it's. A- yeah. Yeah. She knows all about that. <laughs> We were shooting maybe our second or third week, the very first season, and all the trailers are around. We shot this place while the trailers are there. And I walk by in the morning, I'm just walking by to go to the set, and I see Matt walk out of uh, Mandy's dressing room. And I look at him, I'm like, if she cries, you're fired. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. I have a saying, because I work with a lot of young people, which is set love is bad love. It don't work out so good. So I was like, if yeah. you or cry, you are so fired. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna kill you off next. Is that happens. <laughs> right? But it was, but they they have a. It was really surreal. They invited me to their wedding in Florida. Yeah, and uh, it was surreal to see that. Wow, they met on the show and they got married and they have a baby now and it's a really beautiful. It's really beautiful. yeah. That's a great story. What's your favorite episode? <laughs> uh, the first episode is obviously. I just kept looking over my shoulder like they were going to stop me and fire me and kill me or something. <laughs> it's not, oh my God, no one's going to let me go away and get away with this. And so that was when I saw that cast together, like it worked. I'm like, oh my God, it actually works. Because you don't know. 
Everybody can talk about, oh, I knew. I did not know. It could be really bad. If Spencer and Ashley didn't mix together, it had been terrible. If Glenn wasn't the perfect idiot brother, it wouldn't have worked. If Aiden wasn't that kind of calm, like Aiden looks so cool and calm, but inside he's a nut job, right? Yeah. Mom was perfect on the outside, and you're like, what is up with them? So it was all so risky. So risky and so fast, and that we had to shoot and everything. So definitely that one. I think it was an hour special that launched it. That was really yeah. my, that was my favorite. The drive-by shooting one is one of my favorites, just because to me it really touched on everybody, and I, I absolutely um, that was my LA story. If I did not make certain choices or presented with certain opportunity, I would have been on that side of the other side of the car. It could have easily happened to me, and I think oh, wow. that would have been, been uh, maybe that was just kind of me looking at my own life a little bit about what could have. Um, yeah. There's one where, I swear to God, it's the weirdest episode, where they break up for like mm-hmm. the time, like it's the third season, and Spencer comes up to the door and says, what are you doing here? And she's wearing a coat, and you just see the coat fall down. <laughs> Oh man! Yes, yeah, my favorite episode, Gay Pride. Yeah, oh, that, you, know, you know when they're at the fair? You know they're at the parade. That's yeah. blocks from the house I grew up in, the house my mother still lives in. And when I was a boy, probably a little older, I was probably ten, eleven, or twelve. They had the first Gay Pride. It wasn't even Gay Pride then; it was the Gay Parade, is what they called it. Mm-hmm. And all stores on Santa Monica Boulevard, which is a small street. They had a parade. The hardware store had one and you could have a gay influence, but it wasn't nuts. Cut to 20 years later, it's a million friggin' people and it's people. It's just out there, man. It's like carnival. It's crazy. And so to be able to shoot that, it was so, that was lovely. That was lovely. And the, and the kind of, that had the coalescence of Mom supporting her daughter, of lovers being able to be together, of all that. I, you know, I like Joy. Joy's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a it's such a positive episode. Everybody just has like their come to Jesus moment, and like Madison's going off to dance with Justin Timberlake, so they're throwing her <laughs> going away party. And Madison was my secret weapon. She she wasn't even supposed to be in the show because Chelsea mm-hmm. originally was supposed to be a dancer. Right, and- I read that in the Paley. Yeah, and Asha couldn't dance. That's my girl all the way. Whatever she does, <laughs> anytime, I love her. But it was like, okay. And that's where she became an artist. And then uh, I wanted to cast a dancer. And so I had this idea of a, of a young, of, of a diverse woman being a dancer, using it at that time to get out from her situation, whatever that situation was. Mm-hmm. And Madison walked in. And when you meet her in real life, it's just, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Got it. Bam. <laughs> She said, bam, I'm like, okay. And she really added a lot. Plus, she was stunningly beautiful. So Glenn was just like an idiot around her, right? <laughs> okay. Um, she really was, uh, she was like a little, she was uh, a real gift to the show. So I don't think it was originally planned. She was really fun. She was a fun character. Tell us more about her, her character development from when she was kind of nice to Spencer to ragging on her and Ashley and then like her kind of going crazy with the whole like wacky shack thing and then like being nice to everyone. What was that? She calls it the wacky shack. It's like she had to, she, she went crazy for a bit and uh, yeah, you know, like she kind of went through some stuff. What did she go through? Kind of went crazy. Aiden broke up with her. 
because he was wanted to date Kyla because she was more normal and wasn't stuck <laughs> up. So then she kind of went into a, a bit of a depression. Aiden dated Madison? Yeah. Yeah, that was at the beginning of the series. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, I was, I was I'm still in third series mode with Gay Pride. Okay. I'm like, whoa, whoa what happened? Aiden yeah. yeah. pretty much dated, like, every girl at one point in the series, yeah. I feel like. Except for Chelsea. And Paula. <laughs> was there an episode where Aiden dated an older woman? Was there some older woman hit on he him? He talked about it, um, right. that he lost his virginity to an older woman. She, right. He was working for the summer, cleaning her pool. Right, right, right. And like, she's like, okay, that shows you the, the non-genius of me. Like, yeah, hey, cool boy. And he had that dream with Paula and the pizza. <laughs> Too many girls, not enough Aiden. That yeah. Was, that was another one to go to. <laughs> yeah, he had that dream about Paula. And she, that was just, weird. <laughs> yeah. You're just in time for pizza. Paula was interesting because I'm telling you, she, she's a very sensual woman, the actress, Mae Quinlan. And yeah. you put her in the middle of that, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is, like, crazy. Yeah, that's this sexy mom thing going on. But I think, um, I, what was the question? <laughs> Madison. Madison, yeah. She went through a lot of changes, changes. She was Queen Bee, then she was sad, and then she was nice. Her, and then she, a lot of money. Did her parents lose a lot of money? Did she have money, and then they yeah. lost it? Her dad was embezzling. Right. That put me in Right. So yeah, that was part of it. And then it was dancing was her way to get out, because she started here. She never much... The beautiful thing about Madison, she didn't like you or hate you. She just used you as she needed. And she yeah, was very, for real. Uh, she didn't care. Like, I don't care. You're going to hang with me? Cool. But here's your role. You're not going to hang with me. I ain't going to lose any sleep. It was Madison's world and she was just in it. And she was, the actress was so good because she could play strongly against, against Ashley's character. And that's, those two together are some of my favorite scenes because they both look at each other like, I'll kill you. <laughs> you want to rumble? Chica. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh my gosh. That's a line from it. She's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a complete nerd about this show. You know more about it than me, which thank God. Oh, probably not. <laughs> show us like when we lost something, how do we react to it? We can react with grace or we can act like an idiot. And she went crazy and then she came back cool. Because at the end of it, didn't <laughs> wasn't she really supportive of the girls and their sexuality? She was yeah, like, it took her till like season. Well, the end of season two, the beginning of season three. That was like at prom. Right. It was like like the first time she was like, you know, I'm happy that you guys are here together and, you know, you're going to prom with someone you love. And they're like, whoa, we're not used to this. And and she said, as I remember her saying, she said like, yeah, whatever, ain't no big deal. Go with it. You know, it's just kind of, so it wasn't like a male couple, like, I'm sorry I was mean. It was just like, yeah, this is cool. That was the beauty of her. I loved her. She's a really fun character. She's fun to write. <laughs> Tell me about um, the Juliet and Juliet scene. Penultimate yeah. Mom breaks in and throws them out. Throws yeah. her out. Yeah. So here's what I know. Nancy Lee Myatt wrote that, who is our um, world who's co-executive producer on the show. Um, she was very, very uh, forthright is that she was, uh, she's a gay woman and she was very open about it and that's what the stories that we wanted. You know, I wanted to make sure again, that we stayed authentic to it all. And so there was in the writer's room, you sit around, you throw ideas around like all day long and hopefully you hang on to one. And I don't know who came up with it, but the idea of what is Romeo and Juliet today in a modern world. So every character in that, I think we have Aiden and Kyla who I was asked why Kyla went in there. And I thought, 
how could you not have Kyla? I mean, that was like throwing <laughs> a dynamite into a firework factory, right? It was yeah, all- yeah. And so the idea, I think she was with Aiden at the time. Glenn was starting with Chelsea. Yeah, it's had to be second well, season. Glenn, Glenn was in his like pills phase. He oh, was right. doing he the painkillers. Yeah. So the idea was how everybody relates romantically with the words of Shakespeare behind them. And then when it got down to the end of it, it all built up to that penultimate moment where the two girls are in bed together and mom comes in. And I think he says something to the, the love that the wrath shows or some, there's something that basically yeah. said that this love shall never happen. And you see mom and Bethany Rooney, who is our director, it was her idea to put it all in slow motion. And it just mm-hmm. landed really, really strong. And you just saw all the shock and everything. It was, that was, could be the penultimate episode that could really be because everybody whacked out at that point (laughs) yeah they were all and that episode i I think i think carla and arthur were about to get divorced he was drinking she was seeing some doctor at a haunt there was stuff going Mm -hmm. on everybody was getting all fired up yeah dr ben salty dr ben yeah that guy (laughs) i didn't like that guy when we thought of him i still don't like that guy I (laughs) guy. i don't think anybody likes that guy you got you know, you got to have something you don't. Married people are kind of they're married people. Leave them alone, you know. Just leave I, them yeah, alone. exactly. Thing of like working late, and I, I there's always a character that's like takes advantage of uh, somebody that's tired or or not being paid attention to. And he was one of those guys. He knew that she was having a tough time, and it was his opportunity to slide and then be a jerk. So. Wow. He was trying to slide up in there. I can't believe that. <laughs> ass whooping of the highest order. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, what were the, the kissing rules? Apparently you couldn't show certain things or. There was, there was, there was a thing with, with kissing. Oh, you couldn't tongue. You couldn't show tongue, right? You couldn't do that kind of thing. You couldn't get like mm-hmm. that. Um, and there was also a thing about. I seem to remember there's a thing about where your hands were when you were kissing. Like it was okay up here and okay here, but if it went too close to the breast or too lower to the lower bot, it was like a thing. And I, of course, ignored it always and just said, oh, so we'll fix it. <laughs> so I never cared. I, I really never listened to those. The things I listened to in the standards and practice, because I knew I was walking a fine line. I knew I was on a kid's network pushing it, is that to me uh, – the idea of intimacy had to be earned. It couldn't just happen. It couldn't just be exploitive. So I hope that always that the story that the character led us to those positions as opposed to, oh, this will be salacious or this will be sexy or this will be whatever. And I think we accomplished that. I think that Chelsea, when Chelsea made love to Danzo, I think they were in the art studio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, they were in the art studio. That's one of my favorite scenes ever. There was something so beautiful about that, yet so innocent. It was two people that were just in love. I'm actually writing a novel right now where my joke is I've never written a love scene in my life. I write two. They look at each other, cut to next morning, they wake up. That's it. I don't write anything. (laughs) And so in the novel, I write kind of my version of two people finding each other, and it still is innocent. It's still gentle and kind and, and nervousness. And that's what I... I love that Chelsea was ready for it and Danzo was the nervous one, you know, because it was it's, we've seen it so many times before, like the guy. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Guys are friggin idiots at that. Age. It was one are mentally handicapped. OK, we got problems. They, uh, so I wanted to show a truer look at that. I love I love that about Chelsea. She played that so sweetly. 
Uh, who was the funniest person on set and who was the most serious? Ashley was Mandy was absolutely the funniest person in the world to me. She would get <laughs> in the dramatic scene. Then she'd look at you and go, OK, I'm done. And she'd like totally break character. She'd make it <laughs> the most serious could have been Aiden could be Matt. He was very serious. Um, Maeve as mom became like the she was cool and she was contemporary and she was had a Hollywood history and you know, she was married to a big actor before and she had done some big roles in soap opera and all that. So she kind of got this paternal instinct like her and Rob kind of guided them a little bit and brought him into like, you guys better show up prepared. You can't screw around. <laughs> uh, Madison, I forget the actress's name. Valerie. Valerie showed up to play. I mean, she was not that far from her character. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm always, she was ready. She was very fun to be with, but she was ready to go. Glenn was a blast to be with. Yeah. But I think the, the funniest had to be Ashley just, she, you know, Mandy just made me laugh, man. Mandy had me from day one that that show was going to work around her or not. And the thing that I loved about her, even in the script before I even met her was the character. The character of her was that I still to this day don't believe she was gay. I believe she just fell in love. And that came from a friend of mine who one of my best friends, uh, a gay man, we've known each other 45 years, we worked together forever. And he's the godfather of my oldest boy. And he and his partner, I, I asked him, I, I, I somehow had, we, were, we were renting a beach house together, our families, we were all together at the beach one summer. And I asked him about, you know, how did you, in those days you didn't talk about being gay or not so open. People were nervous about it. It was it was it was not a uh, welcoming time. It was not a considerate time for people of different different kind of uh, choices. And so when I asked him about, I said, "How did you? When did you know you were gay?" He said, "I didn't. I just met Dave and I loved him. Mm. It was really cool. I thought that was kind of that was cool, whether it's true or not. And I think that is reflected in the uh, in Mandy's character in Ashley because Ashley, if you look at her character. She had a rock and roll father who was absent. She had a mother that dated multiple men and stepfathers and stuff and was unavailable to her. So I always looked at her as somebody that just wanted to love, be loved and love. And that's why the Aiden and the um, Spencer thing worked for me was that she loved Aiden and they had their mishap and their, their miscarriage. I, I believe right they had a miscarriage, right? Yeah. And uh, that was the big secret. And then, uh, but she fell in love with the other one, with Spencer. And it wasn't about, like, Spencer I always knew was gay. Spencer was gay, and that's what was that character. I always thought that Ashley just fell in love. And yeah, I think we mentioned that on our show, too. It seemed like when she went from Spencer to Aiden, it was almost like she needed that. It was like a placeholder for Spencer. Right. Like, that Aiden was there. It was just, like, familiar. Right, right, right. Right, that's what that was. So, um, so I have to. Um, the fans will be upset at me if I didn't ask this. Um, could there be a reboot, or you know, it's that's the thing now. It's they're in. They're totally in. <laughs> I've been asked to do on several of my shows to do reboots on them, and they frighten me because on one hand I think that some of the magic is because of the time and place as much as anything else. But south of nowhere. I think that th there's an idea in my mind about same children of same-sex parents. What is that? Like the, the non-nuclear family, so to speak. What is that perspective that could be interesting? I think Spencer and Ashley, there was a time I was contemplating a movie 
Uh, now, just because I contemplate it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I got to go beg everybody to do it. I'm always begging, okay? I just beg for people to do my next. There's a show I'm doing right, I'm trying to do right now, which is about a, uh, a boy in high school. He's a junior in high school. He wakes up first day of his junior year and announces to his family he's going to do the transition from boy wow. to girl. So then the, the story is about how his transition causes all of those around them transformation, right? Mm -hmm. Parents, the workers to work with his parents, the other kids, his peers and all that. I think it's a genius idea, right? Mm -hmm. I am begging again, like I was with South of Nowhere. I think I'm back in 2004, like, no, 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 no. Well, Tom, <laughs> I don't know. No, no, it's been done. No, it's been done with an older guy, which is who gives a fuck, right? In my mm -hmm. mind, right? But why can't this happen? Why can't we show how one's transition transforms other people? And that's, and I'm out there begging again. So, <laughs> so I, another South of Nowhere, I think there's always a possibility. Um, it would take a network to not make it. Uh, and this is certainly not a take, uh, not a knock on the L word. I mean, the L word is certainly has its place in, in television history, but the beauty of it, it was uh, of about like the L word was very sexualized. The South of Nowhere was very intimate. There was an intimacy to it that you as two straight girls, me as a straight guy, a gay woman, a gay guy, they can relate to it because they didn't have to do anything but be. You know, mm -hmm. it was about uh, my body type. It wasn't about I'm sexy, I'm not sexy. I mean, those things hit them, but it just seemed to be there was an innocence with their coming of age that I think was really, it might have been of the moment. I don't know. Not a good idea for it. Let me know. I'll try it. I'll see if there's another place. <laughs> What would it look like to you two? You're experts on it. What would a well, redo look like? Well, for, for, yeah, go ahead. Because you got to decide, is it going to be a reboot of kids that age? Is it going to be them older? Is it like, what are you going to do? So if I, like they did 90210 again, right? Yeah. Remember that? And they just redid what 90210 was, but they put it into 2010 instead of, you know, 1990 or whatever they did that mm -hmm. show. And I don't know if it worked or not. I never saw it. But um, I think today you would have to you would have to open up. It would have to center on sexual fluidity more like the flu being fluid. I, I think you could make a case that Ashley was fluid, but I think you'd have to have more dynamics in that area with other characters coming into it because you'd have to yeah. show that gender and sexuality create these different characters and different stories and different situations. And how does that all play out? You know, how do you, I think that would be the treatment of it you'd have to do. Uh, yeah, I think you'd have to keep at least, I mean, especially brings in the crowd. Um, right. <laughs> you need to keep them, show like what they're up to now. Um, that way you're not starting it from scratch with brand new characters that you have to build up. You're already starting up here, you know? Right. If I had Spashley together again, they'd be married, right? They'd, they'd have children of their own. They would be really upset because one of their kids is just a, as hetero as can be and just <laughs> it'd be a boy he's just chasing girls around all day they're like you're an idiot you gotta act right with them there'd be a girl that would be be angry at their mother and acting out to their mothers and you would show the dynamic of what a same-sex family is and that would be a valid show that would be valid that would be an interesting right, i would watch that yeah i'm down <laughs> i think i wish you two ran networks go run networks <laughs> and then i can go and you could say yeah that'd be great that'd be cool um, um. I can't tell you how much I love that you know so much about the show. I I talk to people about you. I go, no, these two sisters, they're just awesome. They know so much. 
Yeah, we're, uh, I mean, I have the, the season one DVD and then I have the iTunes. Uh, I bought the rest off iTunes and I just love these characters. I don't know. Like, I just love that it was daring because no other show, like we watched like One Tree Hill and it's like high school kids. It's like, I've seen that. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over again. So when I saw South of Nowhere, I was like, yeah. Dude, when I wrote it, it was like that too. It was just like. They took over. The voices started talking, and I thought, "This is awesome. We got to do this. We got to get it done." And now, and I'm feeling the same way about. It. I called the other one. Somewhere I am. <laughs> so south of nowhere, and somewhere I am. Uh, right. <laughs> and then your third one can be nowhere from here. Right. There you go. <laughs> from here, that'll be when the two when it's about me, and I'm an old dude going, "What am I going to do now?" What, 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 so. Who knows? We'll see. But I will keep you guys posted on it and let you know what my next yeah. one's are. I think I'm on the set yeah. and do cast from the set. That'd yeah, be let me know. I'll play like the uh, the teacher or something. Like <laughs> You'll get a check. I'll give you some five and under, all right? You'll yeah, get- let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They- um, but that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything else to add or any questions for us, Tom? Well, I love you too. And I just really wanted to meet you and to do this hang with you. And just, you guys are awesome. And thank you so much for having such an interest in the show. And uh, oh, thank you so much for letting us interview you. I was so nervous, but actually yeah, you have a great vibe. <laughs> great bikes. I'm sitting here. I get to talk to you. That means I don't have to do any work today and it's Friday. So I'm not going to worry about <laughs> it <on> Monday. <laughs> That's awesome. Keep me posted on your lives from time to time. And I'll let you know what we're up to over here. All right. Yes, yeah. definitely. Thank you so much, Tom. Be magnificent. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Wow. Wow, that was so great. Did that you guys was... like that? Because we, well, we hope you loved it because we loved it. We were geeking yeah. the whole time, if you couldn't tell <laughs> oh by our God. voices. <laughs> we were so lucky. Like, I felt like the luckiest girl ever. <laughs> well, I mean, Nisi, we're the luckiest girls ever. <laughs> Yeah, like to talk to the creator of my favorite show, like a lot of people don't get this opportunity. Like this isn't something that you just reach out to like, let's say SVU's Dick Wolf or, um, wow. yeah, it's just a rarity that someone could just, you know, hit up the the creator of their favorite TV show and be like, hey, can I talk to you about a show that I love, you know? So yeah, it was a great, great conversation. And um, I love the fact that he told us about like, how he came up with the name South of Nowhere. Like, I was like, bruh. It was a very deep and beautiful story. Dude, I was like, bruh, yo, that's deep, yo. And yeah, he, man. I was like, I, I was like, yo, that's dope. He's like, <laughs> he started laughing. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, when he told us about the Juliet, Juliet scene and everything and how that came about, which was like one of the, the best cinematic television experiences I've ever seen. And... Um, just how how he like almost he had so much so many barriers to getting the show made and he pushed through i liked when he talked about why why clay died and why boz's gang affiliated behind was in a gang or quote unquote maybe in a gang because life be like that and in one second life can change and you can have stuff taken away from you because it just be like that so you got to be appreciative of your life yeah. You got to be, you got to love every second. You got to be present every second and do stuff now because you never know what could happen. Yep, that's right. That's why all that terrible stuff was happening. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, thanks again, uh, Tom. It was a great time talking to you. Hopefully, we get other cast members to come on through to the show. Yeah, get we won't say who with yet, us. but you'll see. You'll maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's up in the air. We're not. We're not gonna make no promises, but we're not gonna make not no promises. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just gotta wait and see. Keep your ear to the pod, as as she said. Keep subscribed to this podcast. Um, don't sleep on us because you never know what interviews yeah. we'll, we'll acquire, what content that we will bring we might up get surprised. next. We might have a, a Christmas surprise for you, a spring <laughs> surprise, a birthday surprise. You never know. So keep it locked on Get Wasted on South of Nowhere. But until then, make sure you do what you always do. And uh, go on to our iTunes, Apple Podcast, rate us five stars. That way that everyone else can find us on Apple Podcasts. Do it. And and then um, head on over to our social media. We got Instagram, Get Wasted S-O-N. We got Twitter, S-O-N Wasted. And we also have our wonderful email for the people that want to talk to us longer. Get Wasted S-O-N at gmail.com. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Nisi? No. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for listening to our interview with Tom Lynch. Uh, we will see you guys next time. And don't forget, my name is Nettie. I'm Nisi, like always. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Bye. Thank you.